Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jennifer. I'm Jason. I'm John. Kate. This is Pete. This is take two. Uh, If we did scrap this, you're now going to wonder what's going on. We just spent about 10 minutes talking about absolutely nothing. We're all tired. That's what it comes down to. All right. So um, we're in our awakening series. And last week, I I brought before the, the church an opportunity for fasting during Holy Week. In fact, those who are listening to this will will be in the middle of Holy Week. So, because this comes out on Wednesday. Um, it's Holy Wednesday. It's Holy Wednesday. Uh, so one of the things we talked about was uh, why we fast. Uh, who, who here has fasted before? If you've... I have, but I don't think raising our hands helps the audience. No, <laughs> no it, it does not. Okay. Look, so look everybody... see at the raised hands, everyone. <laughs> has everybody here fasted before? Yes. Yeah. I have okay. strong feelings on fasting. Yeah, share them. Well, okay, so I'm actually struggling with it. I feel weird that we're going to, like, let's air it out on the podcast. So, like... This is the place to do it. I know. So, I I love that you're inviting the congregation alongside you and that you're very, um, like, open. We have to talk about things that we don't always talk about that comes with being a disciple of Jesus. And yep. part of that is fasting. We see that biblically, that that's a part of it. And to be able to talk about it publicly from the pulpit and be like, this is a thing we do and this is what it means, I think is really good. Do I do any good by telling people I'm fasting? Or am I making faces and letting everyone know Mm -hmm. that I am fasting? Mm -hmm. And so it's a heart issue for me. And so when you've asked, like, oh, let me know if anyone wants to come and be a part of this with me and I'll do, like, these videos, I had to check my heart because I was like, I don't think that that's healthy for me. Because I I do those things in secret. I go to a quiet place and I have to I have to learn how to give that to God yeah. before I can give it to anybody else. Yep. So that's my that's my hard. Advice. I think that's very fair, and and I think what's good about that is biblically you have two sides of fasting that yeah. are talked about in scripture. One, Jesus says, when you fast, don't tell anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet, then you also have corporate, corporate. calls mm-hmm. to fast yes. that are found in scripture where. And we didn't want to move into we're telling everybody to do it. Right. right. Because actually nowhere in the New Testament does it command that it's we fast. Yeah. It's implied. Uh, whereas in the Old Testament, there were actual, there were, during festivals, there were entire days during festivals where the entire community needed to fast. Which is so counterculture. Like today, a, fe- mm. a festival would absolutely include gorging yourself with food. Yeah, oh, it would be Fat, Fat Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Hey, yeah. there we go. We just, we just turkey. Turkey, there we go. Uh, if you don't know what a turkey John? is, for those of you listening, yeah. it's where one person, you, you're supposed to do a fist bump or a high five. Sorry. One person does a high five, the other does the fist I, bump. I've gouged children with my wedding ring when you fist bump, so that's why I do turkeys. Because oh, I don't want to cut people. Yeah, that's my good. wedding ring is sharp. Um, but, you're welcome. Okay, so one of the things I, I read from was a quote from um, uh, Richard Foster from his book, Celebration of Disciplines. Yeah. If you've never read it, it's a very good book. Uh I will say that I think sometimes he leans a little too heavily, a little heavy-handed on the disciplines. Um, it's a classic. I mean, the book's been around for forever. But one of the things that he brought up that I thought was really helpful, and I shared this on Sunday, is the purpose of fasting. And, and he would actually argue that the only biblical fast is a fast from food. Never water, but from food, and which is... Interesting, because now we live in a culture where people are like, well, I'm fasting from social media, or I'm fasting from mm-hmm. soda, and yeah. TV, or giving TV. up something from, for Lent almost, yeah. But the purpose too, of yeah. fasting from mm-hmm. a biblical perspective is to give up a necessity. You need food. You don't need TV. You don't need social media. It's not a real sacrifice in that way. I do agree with the sacrifice portion of it, yeah. but you also got into your message about the things that control us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's like where things like social media and Netflix yep. comes in where it's yeah. like, no, I, I'm telling you, if I have an automatic habitual response to go to my Facebook button, yeah, yeah. it's time to quit. We that. talked yeah. about it when you talked about the woman um, with the alabaster perfume that she breaks at Jesus's feet. And we talked about it in kids church. We're doing very, very similar stories. Which is so cool. So when the Holy cool. Spirit, works yeah. like Holy Spirit that. lines yeah. up like I this. Would, it was unintentional. Yeah. And so we were talking about it 
And the way that we we present it to the kids is that she was showing she loved Jesus more than anything else. And that's like kind of our takeaway that like we can use this story as a way that we can love Jesus more than anything else. And we talked about what are the things we put before Jesus? Is it video games? Is it social media? Do you spend more time on social media than you do in conversation with Jesus? Maybe that is a discipline that you need to give it up. And then we put it as the guise of fasting, where it's really probably more of a discipline. And I'm not saying I agree with Foster's perspective. I think it is a good challenge, though, because I know for me, I can't tell you how many times we're like, well, I mean, fasting from food is, I need food. That's the point, is that you have to be dependent on the Lord. Whereas, and again, social media, and maybe... Maybe he would, and, and maybe I'm not being fair to Richard Foster. Maybe he doesn't hold that view anymore. Maybe I misread or I'm misunderstood oh, sure. from his book. But and and things like I do think like social media probably wasn't a huge thing when he it wrote didn't that. exist, right? Mm. So I mean, it, and I'm not, like I'm, not, I'm not saying either way as well. And I do really articulate, or I really do agree with the the food component because you do need that to survive. And there is yeah. really a dependence upon, you have a physical response a to hunger. Like, no, we're not, and the, yeah. And well, and imagine for a moment if Jesus was around today and he's like, and Jesus went into the desert and fasted from social media for 40 days. <laughs> <laughs> the devil tempted him. Like, we'd be like, really? Uh-huh. And, but again, Jesus, now you have the, I will give you 1 million Instagram followers <laughs> if you just bow if, down if, and worship oh, me. Turn turn this post into an Instagram post now, right? Yeah. But I, I, and again, I think fasting is ultimately between you and the Lord. And one of the challenges and the things that he brought up that I really thought was interesting, and actually I think you were like, whoa, during the sermon read-through when I read the quote, is he said, if you get angry because you're hungry, you're not angry because you're hungry. You're angry because in your heart you have anger. Yeah, I can. It, actually, when you were reading that, I can recall a very specific time where I was hungry and I blew up at somebody. Mm. And nobody knew I was fasting, but I was like, okay. And then when, you know, that moment was like so terrible, like, you're a terrible person. But when you said that, it was like, yeah, like it brings up the issues. They they become Exasperate. Yeah. Yeah. They become, you become more aware of them because you are at a deeper place of desperation. Yeah. And there is, and there is a physiological response to hunger. Like uh, when I would, I used to carb down when I was doing heavy weightlifting. And the goal of carving down is, is that you burn fat quicker. And unfortunately, you actually get very, you're physiologically, you are more prone to anger because your brain isn't processing right. Right. I think that fasting or any time that you see a person under pressure and that fasting is is a, a pressure cooker of your emotions, your character, yeah. that it's very telling of your character that that anger from being hangry is a symptom and, and just treating the symptoms doesn't cure the root. Yeah. Which is usually what, and, and he brings up other things. It may not be angry, it might be pride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about the religious leaders who fasted at a specific time and how prideful they were. Why aren't you fasting? That fasting just revealed the very sin that you're dealing with. And I love that perspective. And and as I'm going into this fast, and and again, I actually, I had to, part of what I wrestled with for about two weeks was, do I invite people to this? Mm -hmm. For that very reason you you talked about. So instead of like, we're going to do it, I talked to people that I trusted. And I said, here's what I'm wrestling with. Should this be a public thing? Jennifer, you were one of the ones I talked to. Should we bring this publicly? Do we keep it private? Because you never want it to be a, hey, look at me. Yeah. And ultimately, where the reason why I felt like it, the Lord was calling us as a community to do it, to invite the community, was partly out of the counsel from others. People saying, no, this is something that a communally we should fast to. But when we talked about that wave illustration, like you, either the wave will drop or it's going to crash and we want the wave to crash. We want God's presence and power to move us into new things. We want to see the power of God move in our community. Um, the reason why I'm feeling called to fast is I want to know what's, what's in my way, not what's in the way of the church. Like what is keeping me, what, what are the things that God wants to reveal in me that, that maybe I've been depending on too much and they could be good things. Like food is not bad. Mm-hmm. And 
And so as we're looking at that, we're also asking, okay, Lord, we're looking to you as a community. Mm. We want Jesus to be the sole focus of what we're doing. And the sole source of like what we depend upon. Yes. And the Holy Spirit, like we want the Spirit to be the the one who is, you know, we're following, we're we're putting up the sails and letting the Spirit take us where we're going. Just from a cool, um, encouraging perspective, over the last several weeks, I've had several people, not even because I prompted it, who are sharing that they're seeing God. They're seeing the same things we are. Mm -hmm. People saying, you know, hey, it just, it feels there's something different going on in Zion right now. And here's, this is where we have to be careful. This doesn't mean that God never did this before or God hasn't had other seasons of this. And that -hmm. that anything is anything we're doing. Yeah. And that's exactly like, I think we're being faithful. Yeah. I think we're being faithful to things. I think we're we're trying to listen to the Lord. Um, Being affirmed in what we're doing is different than feeling exalted. That's right. (laughs) Yes. Amen. And I think that is, and that's the key in this is that if, if our fasting leads us to a place of arrogance or somehow thinking we deserve this, he will humble us. That's right. (laughs) And and quite frankly, that's when the way that's, that's when we can shut things down. And I'm, I'm realizing how easy it is to fall into my own dependence, not dependence of the spirit, but my own skill sets, my own. Right. Uh And, I had somebody who very graciously offered a very encouraging word. They're like they were affirming just the, the how God has been using the te- the teaching and preaching on Sunday morning. And you know what the first thing reminded the Lord reminded me of? You were at a church seven years ago that people loved your preaching, and that church didn't grow. It ended up closing. Mm. And it was like whatever's happening in Zion is not because of me. Now my part is to be faithful. Right. So let's not have false humility. You know, children's ministry, it's growing because you're being faithful, but the Holy Spirit honors faithfulness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if we want to see the Lord continue to move and, and take us to that next place, yeah, it's going to come because we as a community are seeking yeah. the Lord, not seeking yes. an experience. We use our skills and our spiritual gifts right. to edify the church, to yes. build up one another. That's an encouraging. Ephesians chapter 4. Amen. Yes. It's an encouraging and firm. Affirm- yeah, that's right, man. Sorry if I cut you. I didn't turkey that time. I panicked. You You called me out. You didn't. You didn't cut me. So okay. So let me ask you uh, as you're going in. If and I'm I'm not going to ask you if you're choosing to fast. That's. um, But what do you feel like? And maybe it's very similar to what I just said. What do you feel like the Lord might be wanting to do in this fast? Are there areas that you feel like God is saying, "Hey, when you're fasting, this is an area I want. I feel like the church should be focusing on." And again, that doesn't mean you're fasting. This is between you and the Lord if you're doing it, but. I'll answer for like when I do feel called to fast, like what do I feel I'm looking for? Or like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like what's the next thing? That's that, the question. Like, okay, I'm yeah. feeling called to fast. And I often find myself feeling called to fast when I recognize that I am trying to take control and it is not working again mm. and again and yeah. again. And I go, all right, God, make me fully dependent on you. Yeah. I am lying down because you are making me lie down and you will sustain me. You are the sheep, the sheep thing, the sheep thing. Right. And it's like, I, you're the hand that feeds me alone and I'm no longer going to be in control of that. You are. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, that's what, like, that's where my heart is when I say like, yes, I am ready to fully be sustained on you alone. That you, the only, that when you were talking about the wind in the sails, where it's like the Holy Spirit is the only sustaining force for my momentum. Yeah. Period. That's where my heart is. Solar powered versus gas powered. Amen. Yeah. yeah. I think for for me thinking about it just now, <laughs> I'm having a, I'm having a little bit of a moment because we're I'm talking about we're talking about fasting so much that it makes me think naturally. It makes me think of food. <laughs> I'm getting hungry and immediately I'm like, wow, I, I didn't re- like, I, I'm, I'm realizing that I, I, I hope that it brings out as just a sense of self-awareness of like, cause we can so easily trick ourselves. I feel like I can trick myself into thinking that everything is fine and everything is good. And then there's just this, this, I'll call it sin, I guess, or just this dependence on something else that isn't God. Like if I if I really went to God like I went to uh, food when I'm hungry, wow. like that's the kind of I'm I'm like I'm thinking of going like gosh I really need food right now, <laughs> like no I really need God right now. Yeah, yeah. that dependence. I was like oh my gosh, sitting in the middle of a podcast recording, 
talking about fasting. I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay. That's cool. cool. So I was just, that's that's what I'm. That's kind of where your mind's going. Hoping to see of like, I hope it isn't just something just to do it. You know, and that's, I think that's part of the reason why. I'm not, I've not said, and I don't feel like the Lord has said, you need to do three days or you need to do you yeah. know, 10 days or a day. I'm trying to make it to where the fast is not the goal. Jesus is the goal. Yeah. And let's yeah. say after, yeah. it could be two meals and the Lord goes, Jason, that's enough. Yeah. And I, I, I think that sometimes in our, in our desire to want to kill something, we forget that. Ultimately, what we're trying to pursue is Jesus, not the thing that kills the thing mm-hmm. we're trying to get rid of. It's yeah. Jesus is the goal. Yeah. It's like when you're when there's a, a a stumbling block or something in the way preventing from you from seeking Jesus, and so you're like, okay, I'm going to get rid of this thing, and I'm not going to talk about this thing. I'm not going to look yeah, at this right. thing. And you, the only thing you're talking about then is the thing. Is the, is the yeah. thing. It's a don't think about a banana. Yeah, and that's immediately <laughs> what you see. How about, how about you, Jennifer? Anything you'd share or add? Um, well, I feel like, so I feel like, um, the last time I fasted, I just was doing like a retreat kind of thing specifically for Zion. And I really feel like there were a handful of things that are things that we're needing the Lord to speak into at our church. And so I think those would be the things like, um, top on the list. I want the churches in Clear Lake to act like the church capital C mm. like a, like to get over to get over ourselves and to get over the buildings and to really come together as the body and um and so i think like even a repentance of that of like lord i haven't done that well and not just zion but jennifer colby hasn't done that well and so i don't know i think for me um that would be something that would be uh, those would be on my heart. But to that point, I think it's really important that we don't look at fasting as a way to, to make God do something we and to make God move. God. Yeah. Um, and so the goal has to be to seek him and to know him and to hear his heart. And what is he saying in the midst of those situations that may not change because you're fasting? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's more of like the retreat when you're retreating to be with God and to seek him and his will and his answers for your life and how you're yeah. you're building kingdom yeah. fasting is a part of that retreating and yeah. it's and it goes back like to any tool. of the dis- so any of the spiritual disciplines we do if we're viewing them as a means to somehow get god to move mm-hmm. that's a manipulation yeah. tactic yeah. all right and, and, like and we do that i mean tithing is a discipline yeah and how often will i and, and this is sadly there are some pastors that pray on this if you do this god will do this and they'll yes. quote from malachi mm-hmm. where the lord says test, test me, me yeah. in this that's the First of all, we shouldn't have to test God. Mm-hmm. And and I think live your best life now. Yeah, when we do the same thing, mm-hmm. if I pray the right prayers, yep, if I say man. if I say the right thing, uh, God yes, will do X, said, Y, Z. Yeah, you've said the right prayer. Now I will bless you. Yeah, yeah. it's not a magical genie that or like, you know, a Tetris that if you do it just right, oh, there goes the bottom line. Yeah. But I do think he he does honor our sacrifice. He does. Mm-hmm. And and I think the the key in that is we have a God who loves to bless us. Yeah. yeah. He's he not faithful because we are faithful. He's faithful because he because is. Because we are faithful because he is. That's right. Yeah. When we are faithless, he is faithful. Amen. And and I think part of what happens for some of us, and this is actually a really good segue into talking about this week's message, Amen. is that um, we're always going to fail. We're mm-hmm. always going to mess up. We're always not going to meet the expectation. <laughs> so, not, well, that doesn't mean we're always. It doesn't mean we're always failing. It means yes. that no, it's the you know sin is the bullseye, and we're never going to hit the bullseye perfectly. Which is that is a great illustration yeah. for it. However, it doesn't mean you don't stop trying. But it also lacks some of the nuance because first of all, you're assuming that you're even trying for the target, which mm-hmm. is in itself sometimes mm-hmm. the failure. Yeah. Yeah. Is some, sometimes yeah. we shoot and then we draw a bullseye around it. Mm. <laughs> And That's where I was trying to hit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I nailed it, right? And yeah. and I think as we look at these things, the goal is when we're pursuing Jesus, and, and this is where in Hebrews when it says to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Um, one of my professors described it this way. He said, "If when our eyes are on Jesus, we do not sin. When our eyes are on Jesus, you cannot sin because you're focused on Jesus. 
every time we sin, it's because we've taken our eyes Shifted. off of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it's so difficult to keep our eyes on Jesus. Yeah. And yet, and this is where we talked about um, this week, we're talking about being awakened to God's love. And we've taught with awakened in worship that worship isn't just about music. It's a lifestyle of worship, of surrendering everything. We've talked about awakened to, to bringing God's goodness, awakened to generosity, awakened to a desire for God's word. And as I was praying and processing, and I think I asked a couple of you, I, you know, I have a couple ideas, and the way I've, I've handled this sermon series is instead of coming in and saying, okay, this week I'm going to talk about this, and then this week, I actually went in with a whole, there's like eight things. And each week I've been like, okay, Lord, where does our church need to hear this week? Instead of being locked down into, into one thing, okay, God, what's the thing this week? And what I kept on coming back to is we just talked about the generousness of God and that God is calling us to be generous. That was last week's. And the most generous way that God, the most generous thing God did for us was sending his son, which was an act of love. And that that generous love of God does so much that we don't even fully realize it. And that's where I shared the story of the parable when Jesus talks about Jesus. uh, He left the 99 to find the one. Mm -hmm. And I I read, I did a bunch of different reading and just kind of getting people's perspectives. And and it's interesting is that some people Mm -hmm. think, that it's our job as a church to leave the 99 for the one, and yet that's not what Jesus is saying in the text. The text is that's what God did. Mm. Our responsibility is not to leave all the healthy people to go seek the unhealthy person or the person who's lost. No, Jesus does that. That makes me the Savior otherwise. Amen. Our job is to make sure we don't become the one. Yeah. Mm. And is to make sure that, and how we do that, and this is where we get into that, that the problem with being the 99 is you can move into arrogance and you can move into false or resentment or false humility. And then all of a sudden you have become that one. Mm. You've wandered away. Uh, so uh, let me ask a question. Okay, so when you think about the nature of God, when you think about God's love, and I, I want to pose a question, what would it look like if we as a church community recklessly shared God's love with every person we came in contact with, recklessly shared God's love with every person who walked through our, our doors. Um, what do you guys think? I think of like, I love that we talked about Corey Asbury and we're kids. He church. wrote the song. He Reckless wrote the song love. Reckless Love yeah. and kids church is also going through all of this right now as well. Um, so it's been very relevant in my life, and the Holy Spirit's just really working and moving in it. And part of that recklessness when he's talking about it, he's not saying reckless as in God is crazy or, you know, thoughtless. do it thoughtless. He's not reckless yeah. or thoughtless, that it doesn't make sense, that it even the 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 prodigal son is a great example of it, where the, the son pretty much said to the dad, I wish you were dead, because yeah. he said, give me my inheritance now. Yeah. And left, squandered the money, mistreated, came back with his tail between his legs, and the father welcomed him with open arms after he said, I wish you were dead. Mm -hmm. And it's when we are hurt by others. Ministry is hard. And we get hurt time and time again. And how do you you maintain your resilience? How do you maintain your integrity when others are not? How do you be kind to the ones that are not kind to you? That's reckless love. I recklessly love you, Jason, even though I know you're going to hurt my feelings. Even though I have to have awkward conversations with you. Even though when we have conflict, I'm going to make that act of conflict an act of love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that's the church doesn't always do that well. We get burnt and we leave churches. We church hop. We we leave ministries. We leave friends. We we don't talk to people. We just completely shut down because that hurts. And we're so quick to abandon. Yes. And the recklessness, and, and this is, um, and I talked about it on Sunday, but if maybe you didn't listen to the message or anything. So when the song Reckless Love came out, there were you have all these pastors and theologians who tend to be skewed in one particular vein of theology. Sure. And I'm not, I'm not here to point out names or talk about who they are, but there was a lot of pushback, like, how dare you call God reckless? He's not reckless. Everything he does is thoughtful and 
they bring out scriptures that Jesus, the cross, was part of God's plan even before uh, Adam and Eve existed because he knew that they were going to sin. And and it's like, no, you missed the point. The point of reckless is not thoughtless. Yeah. It's that from a world perspective, God's love makes no sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. And it's, it is. It comes across it as reckless. It seems reckless. It seems, well, and I would actually argue it is reckless. Sure. Mm. It is reckless. Mm-hmm. Like that's. You're going to get hurt. Yes. You're going to mess yeah. up, God. Just yeah. leave them. Let them kill Let, themselves off. Well, I mean, look at Lord <laughs> Noah, right? And his yes. response is, I'm just going to wipe out the whole thing. Yeah. And, and yet Jesus leaves the 99, the ones who he knows are safe to go find that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was good. Any other thoughts? I forgot my question. This is where the he tired said, "What part... would it look like to be a reckless Thank you. church?" What would it look like to be a recklessly loving church? Well, the thing that I just keep coming back to is, and Kate really hit on it, is, and and we call them boundaries, right? And boundaries feel wise, and they feel, and they are. I do think in situations they're needed. Yes. But when God loves, and God's love for me. He doesn't have boundaries. Amen. He pursues he does, me. He lets me slap him on the cheek. He lets me ask for my inheritance and tell him I wish he was dead. He lets me be the most offensive being and doesn't distance himself from me. Yeah, we distance ourselves we from distance him. We distance him. And he's the only him. thing that doesn't deserve yeah. that. Yeah, he's the only thing. Like the rest of us deserve only, it when it happens. I'm doing yeah. it to the holy of holy. Yeah. The only That's being, what we're offensive to? And I feel like to live that kind of love to other people who 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 are imperfect. Yeah. Like I think marriage is a great example of like the most Christ-like scenario you can put yourself in. Yeah. Mm. To like yeah. sacrificial love. Sacrificial mm-hmm. servant love to to be her and then to still walk in forgiveness, to be her and not want to to have a heart posture of not wanting to separate or like, and I'm not saying physically separate. I'm saying like, no, I want to enter back into relationship with you. I want to enter back into love with you. I want to enter, enter, enter over Mm -hmm. and over and over again, no matter how many times you hurt me. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's a beautiful, I think that's just a beautiful word picture. Yeah. I think think what's hard about that. It looks stupid to people. It it does. It looks foolish. And like, that doesn't seem wise. And God's, this is the first Corinthians passage. The gospel appears as foolishness to quote unquote wise people. And even in the church, and, you know, I, I can't think of how many times I've found this in myself where um, I want somebody to have, a, particularly there are sub, there's a subset of sins that before someone can be accepted into a community, they have mm. to have dealt with. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? And, and I'll just be, I'll just say part of what it is. Let's, let's use the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. And the question, the, the picture that came to mind for me is if someone who is Clearly, a trans person were to walk into our church. What would they experience? Yeah, would they experience a hey, you know, you know what you're doing is a sin. You're man's a man's a woman's a woman, and and the minute you do that, you shut that person down. Or if we had an an actively gay couple, yeah, if we walked in, you know, and and here's the thing: we don't do that with anything else. I don't come in if I know someone's yeah. an open gossip. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. walk in and say, hey, you know, gossip is a sin. We should probably yeah. talk about. You need this to deal with that time. before you or come even, in. Like, yeah. I think of. We've had to have conversations like this just to be completely candid and open, transparent. In ministry, we have questions of like, can so and so lead? Yes. Be yeah, in lead a position versus, of leadership. Yeah. Can they serve here? We know it makes perfect sense that you can't have somebody that has abused a child. Yeah. Can't serve in children's ministry. It like it blacks you out. You're you're 86 for life, but is there a place for you? Yeah. yeah. And, That's and there where are, your heart has to go. And I think that there is a difference between there are leadership. When you're yes. in leadership, there's a different expectation. Mm-hmm. And we have to be okay with that. I mean, even the Apostle Paul puts very clear expectations on pastors. Pastors mm-hmm. have to look. And I actually think the purpose of the list, if you read through the list in in Timothy and in Peter, what you'll find is no one lives up to it. And that's the whole yeah. point is pastors. Like Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 woman. Like you yeah. can't ever be that. And the point is, is not that the pastors or those in ministry have to be perfect, is that they should be consistently seeking the Lord so when they screw up or when they fail, they're coming back to the Lord and saying, I failed in this. They're in community for accountability. It's an accountability. And mm-hmm. I think the challenge becomes then is the difference in boundaries. Let's use the boundary conversation. Um, we When you have people who live in patterns of sin, that means they're not seeking Jesus and therefore they shouldn't be in ministry. They should. There are limits. However, can they come to church? Yes. Should they be involved in church? Is yes. There a place for them? Is there a Absolutely. place? Can they belong even if they haven't figured it out yet? 
And I think that's... And that's the thing about the prodigal son, even, is mm-hmm. he returns to the father and yeah. leaves. Then go and sin no more, he yeah. tells the woman. Does no one condemn you? Then go and sin no more. That's a part of it. Yeah. yeah. But is there a place for you? Does Jesus still yeah. meet you with open arms? Yeah. Yes. And 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 the 99 and the 1, you know, we told the story of the woman who anointed anoints Jesus' feet and Simon the Pharisee is in judgment of her. The, the lost one there is not the woman at the feet of Jesus. She's actually yeah. the found one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the lost one that. is Simon the Pharisee yeah, who thinks he's great. the 99. Yes. How, about, how about you, John? What, what, would a, what would it look like for us as a church if we were recklessly loving people when they walk through our doors? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about it and, and just going like the, the amount of times in the day where opportunities are around to love people like if i'm if i'm thinking of a reckless love quote-unquote mindset uh there's opportunities everywhere to lean into god's love and lean into what he wants to do and so often i i just think they're so inconsequential like yeah i could stop and and ask if the guy i see across from me at the gas station wants prayer uh, yeah, I could uh, reach out to neighbor X and see if they uh, they want to come over for a barbecue. I don't know. I'm just pulling these out of out of nowhere. Like there's so many opportunities, and I think that so many times I just consider them inconsequential when they can be the gateway to what God is doing. And yeah. I I always used to say, like I always used to hear that you never know what God is going to be doing through you to somebody else. You just never, like, you could meet someone, have a great interaction with them, and they leave and you never see them again. And you never know where they're at. I I just think... It's like doing those Tove moments with abandon. Yeah. is reckless. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. It's like you don't fear that's, a Tove moment. That's, that's kind of, a beautiful yeah. thing. I guess that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I think that's well, kind of what I'm what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing about recklessness is it's identifiable. It points out like the fact that it is crazy, the fact mm-hmm. that it does like defy human wisdom and human logic is like what and then that that opens the door for evangelism. That yeah. opens the door for sharing your faith. Yeah. And it's like that recklessness is actually a beautiful tool to step in to someone's life and to speak yeah. greater to- truth to them. Okay, I wonder- nerdy side thing. If, I, I know that there's like, several people in here that play Dungeons and Dragons. I'm sorry, Jennifer, <gasps> I don't want to do. I am not on that There list. is a reckless attack in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting real obscure now. I know. There are some and, people like, I cannot listen to a podcast with like, yeah, D&D players. D&D, sorry. And there's, when you do that, though, what happens is like, you, you get a greater chance that your attack will take effect, will, will work. Or like it's a fail. it's a more powerful thing a more powerful yeah. thing that you get to do because you did it recklessly, but the 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 caveat of it is that you risk getting hurt. Yeah, mm. mm-hmm. you're more likely more to get hurt. hit like, in return. More likely to fail. D and D brings us Isn't gospel crazy? truth. It does. <laughs> you can see God in anything. Well, and, and so I wonder if also part of the reason why the word reckless has so much problem with it is because words like reckless driving. Sure. Yes. Right. We imply recklessness, which in, with endangering other people. Yes. When Jesus, the only person Jesus endangered was himself. himself. Yes. Yeah. And Preach that's that. what real reckless love is. Yeah. The Preach only that. person who's ultimately going to get hurt here is me. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you recklessly drive, you could kill somebody else. Yes. When you're right. reckless with your words, you cause yeah, harm to others. Yep. But when love reckless is the recklessness, love. it's good. putting yourself at, at danger yes. and harm's way. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus did. came and that's put himself on the That's what he still life. does. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and so we're thinking about this idea of we become a church now. I, I talked about the, the the Jesus music documentary, which, by the way. What would you say that was on Amazon Prime? I think it's on Amazon Prime and Hulu right now. Mm. Um, there's a part in there that really, it just was so profoundly sad. Mm. Is that you have these moments where God is using music to reach people. And music has that incredible ability to do that, right? And the people who kept on getting in the way of the movement of God were the church. It's not the non-believers. It's not people who don't know Jesus. It's people in the church who are upset because, you know, and the one story they talked about was uh, there was this band in the 80s. They were a a heavy metal band or, sorry, a glam rock band called Striper. Mm. 
And they were sharing the story how the lead singer and his brother used to watch Jimmy Swaggart, a Nontella evangelist, on TV. Uh-huh. And they came to faith because of this guy. Like, his, his messages were so powerful. His whole family became a Christian, and they, they were already in this, this band. They had already been making music, and they decided, hey, let's keep on doing heavy metal music, but let's make it about Jesus. And so Striper ended up, did you know they had the number one played video on MTV at one point? They outdid Poison, they outdid Motley Crue, Def Leppard, all these other bands. Striper right. was the number one band played on the request, right? Wow. And originally MTV said, we're not playing you, but here was the thing. MTV played what people requested, yeah. right. not what they wanted. Yep. Well, then eventually Jimmy Swaggart, the guy who led them to Christ, didn't know that he was the one that was responsible for leading to Christ. Instead of seeing the gift that God was using their music in, he got obsessed with the vehicle of the music mm. and started holding up their album saying that these guys are from the devil, that they're false Christians. And here's the hardest part about it. And this is what broke my heart. They ended up ultimately becoming the thing they were trying to avoid. They eventually said, maybe this God thing isn't real. And here they are singing songs about God. Mm-hmm. And they're not blaming Jimmy Swaggart. It was their choice. But they said what started it was, here we are, we're trying to make a difference for Jesus because of the impact he's had on us. And this guy in the church is telling us we're doing Satan's work. So because they started drinking. They started living like every other rock star, mm. just affirming Jimmy Swagger. Yeah. And But story after story, the people that were getting in the way of God's movement was not non-Christians, it was the church. And, every, and that was the whole point of the Jesus music. It was, we sometimes get in the way of what God wants to do because I think it goes back to that. We don't, that's too reckless. We don't like that. It's too much like the world. And I, this challenged me, and I was thinking about, okay, so for Zion, for, for us as a church, music isn't as much a hot button anymore. We don't hear about drums being the, you know, the devil's instrument. Um, we, that's not... That's for the, the saxophone. For the that, most no. part, that's the saxophone. It's, it's the alto sax from that's Kenny right. G. Yep. We don't hear... What's the short and flute? The... Piccolo. The, the piccolo. The piccolo. No, I'm convinced the oboe is the devil's. That nah. thing sounds like a dying duck when yeah. children play. Yeah. Full yeah. disclosure, band people out there, we don't actually feel this <laughs> No, we don't. Um, but music is no longer the hot button issue for most people anymore. I can tell you I've had some people, you know, they'll say that that music is, God hates that music because it's not organ or whatever. Um because I think we are actually uniquely in a church that does we hear do both. that. We do both. We do both, and we do and hear that. And you can hear it. I hear it from both sides. Yeah. I actually love and appreciate contemporary and, and traditional. traditional. Yeah. And I think we are so blessed to be. How do people worship with an organ? Ah. Uh. But you hear it from both sides <laughs> yeah. of people like saying like that's not real worship, and I was like, oh, yeah. don't say that. That's not okay. <laughs> well, that's when you go to the Book of Amos and to quote the message. Amos, uh, how obscure. Yeah, well, no, Amos, uh, the whole point of it is, is this is this is the message version. He says, I hate your I hate your concerts. I hate your worship services. Mm-hmm. I hate the events you put on because you've neglected the greater thing. You've neglected uh, caring for the poor, the oppressed. You've forgotten the fatherless. And we're judging worship based on styles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's about the heart. And, Amen. And, and, and here's this. So getting back to my point. Sorry. What would be, no, don't apologize. It was a good rabbit trail. What would be, what's, what's the potential that we get hung up on the wrong thing? Like, where do, where do we become the obstacle for what God wants to do? Because isn't that really what we're about? We're trying to do right now is we're saying, God, we see you moving. We want to we wanna get in the way of what you're doing. How do we make sure that we're not in the way? And what could get in the way? And I'll tell you what, yeah. I'm just going to say yeah. what I think one of the first things I think sometimes we get it set in our mind that this is the only way to do ministry. This is how we have to do ministry. We have to do X, Y, Z. And we get so dead set and convinced that this one thing is the right way to do it, that we might actually be getting in the way and become judgmental of churches that don't do it our way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one way for Zion that could we could get into the comparison game. Oh, we do it the yeah. right way. Everybody yeah. else is doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. I like that you say that too. Um Because I feel like when I talk about the things that I want to try to do and I try to get people on board where I'm like volunteer recruitment and things like that, I'll say these things, these like Holy Spirit fever dreams, Jennifer and I call them sometimes, where it's like, you and you tell someone, you try to sell it on it and you say, and I'm just, I always joke and I say, I'm just young and dumb enough to try it, you know, because (laughs) 
I don't have bad habits yet. Yeah. And, I, and I do find myself with bad habits. I do. I, there's things where I think, well, I can't do it any other way. Well, why? Yeah. I love that you say that. And I think that sometimes for me, what gets in the way of worship. Have you read the book, Holy Roar? I've read parts of it, yes. It is a good book. Yeah. I do like it. And I think it's Chris Tomlin. Chris Tomlin, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And we had done a couple of years ago, I had walked through Holy Roar with our elementary students because they were being monsters during my <laughs> worship time. Literally, like Spider-Man climbing out windows. It happened, John. Remember? I remember that. You remember, I right? I remember that, yeah. Literally climbing out windows. And I was like, all right, you guys, we need to like... Clearly, you don't understand what what we're encountering here. What the goal is. Here, what the yeah. goal is. This is not an experience for you to Spider-Man across my walls. This is an encounter of the one true God. And you get to be at his feet. Like, in yeah. and, and, and complete awe and reverence of that. And, and how we do that looks different. Everybody does it differently. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I don't care how you do it or what you're doing. I don't care how you do it, but I care what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, what gets in the way is like, all those other distractions. And I think that's what kids struggle with. Is like, Ooh. is it is it the music? Is it the actions? The is it my friends? It's the lights. Sometimes those are good things that help you get into worship. But if it's a distraction, strip it away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I when you were saying that something yeah. hit me and I've heard this a lot in Zion and I may I may actually share this this coming Sunday. I think sometimes we're convinced that God couldn't use me. Mm. I'm the limitation. That's, I'm, I'm the scarcity of resource. I don't have the skill set. I've I've had several conversations now where I think about people who have said, well, I don't have that gift. I'm not, you know, I've got too much sin in my life. And also uh, I'm like, wait, wait, mm, you're no. assuming that it's about your, Amen. I mean, there are giftings. Like we clearly people have certain gifts, right? Sure. But I think, I wonder if that's one of the things that can get in the way of that. The Lord moving is we start thinking, well, God could never use me. That somehow your lack of skill is bigger than God's ginormousness. And ginormousness say, is a real word, yeah. by the way. I would <laughs> say biblically, God proves the opposite. Purposely. Yeah. In my weak in in my weakness, he has made strong. That was strong. last week. That purposely Amen. he does that. Purposely he chooses things that make no sense. Gideon, Moses, yeah. like David, David, yeah, all of them. Jesus. Jesus made no sense. Yeah. And 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 in in speaking on that worship vein, like, it, you know, it it doesn't. It doesn't matter, like, it's it, there's wisdom in looking at something different or new and going, is line. is God in this? Is this what God is calling us to do? And there's wisdom in looking at it. I, I totally I totally believe that. But when, when we come at something and then just shut it down, like, clearly God can never that. be in this, and yeah. clearly God would never. And then sometimes that is self-inflicted. It's like, clearly God could never use me. I'm, yeah. I've am i got too much sin, or I don't have those gifts, or whatever. God doesn't use, doesn't do it that way. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. It's, it, it, it comes down to, it's like l- looking into yourself, or looking into these things, and, and really being sincere about, like, well, I think God can work through pretty much anything. I think God can do his work through anything and, and asking those questions and seeking it out and, and showing an interest in that. And maybe, no, maybe God, maybe God isn't doing it this way or that way, but he is working and it's up to us to kind of have that open mind about it. You know, how about, t- oh, sorry. I was going to say, how about you, Jennifer? What do you, what do you think could get in the way? What, what could be our thing that stops us from I mean, for me, it's just pride. For me, it's going to be areas where I think I'm the one who is doing the thing. And I think that, I think if I don't continue a mindset of humility or seeking God through trying to be humble or like Mm -hmm. repenting of pride as a sin, like I think that's the area where for me, I'll get snared. Yeah. All right. Last, last part here. Jesus. It's called the Good Shepherd, and part of the reason why I think Jesus uses sheep illustration, and I remember if it was you, Kate, or Jennifer, maybe it was Megan. It might have been Megan. Uh, that it was, it was Megan. Yeah. The whole thing of maybe God created sheep solely for the purpose of illustration. <laughs> illustrations. This is what you guys are like. Like, I, I can picture doing God, sheep work. God, God's God's create, creating sheep 
And he's like bringing him to Adam to name. He's like, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if the word sheep in Hebrew means dumb animal. Yeah, <laughs> dummy, dummy. Yeah. Uh, but like, there was one of the things that struck me when we were talking about sheep is that sheep digest better when they lay down. Mm. However, they're they're so stupid and so caught up in eating that they don't lay down, and so a shepherd has to force them. To lay down, which goes back to the Psalm 23. Right. You make me lie down in green pastures. It's not, so, it's not so hey, yeah. Jesus brings me to the green pastures and I lay down. No, no he has no. to make me lay down. You are right. to know that it's time. So, yeah. That you got to digest your food. But yeah, you need to stop That's eating. That's crazy. That's yeah. like, yes. <laughs> That's ludicrous. Yeah. And yet, oh, how similar we are. But even, like, Psalm 23 is such a great example of, like, the good shepherd when it talks about, like, you lead me mm. along quiet, still waters. You guide me along righteous paths for your namesake. Your rod and yeah. staff, they comfort me. The fact that you keep me accountable, Jesus, if there was nobody else around here, what kind of reckless things would I really yeah. be doing thoughtless? I'd, I'd be dead so You'd fast. be doing the, the bad reckless things, the, the things that endanger not just me but other people. Right. Well, and even, like, the... Yeah, you know, yea, though I walk through the sh- valley of the shadow of death. Sheep yes. are so stupid, they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah, my, I think one of the yeah. ones that caught me by surprise is, and I didn't know this, is sheep will, they'll settle for anything. Yeah. And I don't remember who the article I was reading, but I said sheep will literally drink from a puddle of mud when there's a beautiful stream right yes. in front of them. Because it's like, oh, this is good. And, and probably get mad if you move them from the muddy water. Like, yeah. oh, come on. Like, and they're easily like distressed and overwhelmed. What is? What are the goats that faint? Fainting goats? Sure. I like, those. I like yeah. them too. They're funny. It's a neurological disorder. It is. My, got, my daughters want them as pets. That'd be amazing. But no, but it, it actually, like, the the sheep thing... I don't know what I don't know what happened. I said it's a neurological disorder. It's actually kind of sad. The fainting goes. We're like, oh, those are so cute. I love them. It's not, you can't play. <laughs> Sorry. Is it narcoleptic goat, narcoleptic goats it's, or something like that? It like their whole nervous system shuts, shuts down, down. And, and, in fear, and it, it's like a seizure. It's but it is fun to watch. I know. Only on goats. Yeah. <laughs> Only on goats. Yeah. <laughs> not people. Anyway, back to sheep. <laughs> <laughs> This this conversation do, has felt like a, show, do, a bunch of sheep if wandering around. If we do around. play the first part of this, back to beep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, it, it actually, like when you look at yourself in light of a sheep and the fact that God is like saying, we're the sheep, he's the good shepherd. Man, it does. It is heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking to think that I would rather settle for the muddy water than the, mm-hmm. the living water that's right up ahead. Yeah. Like it is heartbreaking that I, I would... I would rather go, go, go and not sit down, even though it's the And best. fall off a cliff because you're not paying attention. God, that yeah. is ridiculous. <laughs> like, I am just like. And yet. And yet we are like that. And and Jesus loves these sheep. And he yeah. lays his life down for them. Like, that's the trade-off. Jesus is like, yeah, yeah I know you're dumb. Not that one. You're all dumb. You're all mm-hmm. dumb sheep. And yet you matter. You're You're my treasure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love you and I'll lay down my life for you because I am a good shepherd. And and, I, and so I want to end with this question. And, and maybe it's not a question as much as a statement. We, we talked about that Pharisee and the woman who came with the alabaster jar. When people walk into our church, who are they encountering? My hope is that they're encountering a bunch of people who realize that we're all sheep who are loved by our shepherd and we all wander. I may be I may be part of the 99 right now, but it's not too far before I'll become the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when they walk in, are are they do they see a community who is loves God generously because they see how much he's generously loved us? Do they see it in our singing? Do they see it in when when we're sitting during the sermon and I know I'm the one who preaches more often than not, but I love listening to when I go to a sermon I love taking notes and learning. I'm still, I'm always listening to sermons because I'm learning. I'm not listening to practice my craft. I'm listening because I want to sit at the feet of of men and women who teach and know God's word sometimes better than I do at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, am I learning to generously, will they encounter people who not just generously love God, but generously love each other yeah. and love themselves? And love themselves. Yeah, I'm glad you like, said that. That's the thing that God keeps on bringing me back to is, yeah. man, I... I forget how ungracious I am to me 
And yet I have yeah. a God who's gracious to me. So when I fail, instead of walking around in guilt and shame and feeling less than, I'm reminded that's when I repent, when, I, when I've turned my sin over to Jesus, that my sin does not define me. Yeah. My Jesus defines me. My shepherd defines me. And what it's the good shepherd, not the good sheep. Yeah. And that, I think that's the best part. Nowhere, yeah. nowhere, there's never, there's not one story about being good sheep. It's always the good shepherd. Good shepherd. That's right. Um, all right. So, uh, um, last question, and I'll leave this for you guys. If you had one last thing in encouragement um, from this teaching, or maybe from there, so one thing that stands out to you that you want to leave those listening with? I like that you end with the 99 because. You know, we've, like I said, we've been talking about this a lot in kids' church. And part of being the 99 is, like, being entrusted with the gospel, right? There's this whole theme of the New Testament. When we are entrusted with the gospel and how we go out, what are the 99 supposed to be doing? Yeah. That God is entrusting you to be that 99. And what are you going to do with that? And I love that this this whole this whole pericope of scripture, this whole section of the, thank you. Way to go, way to go. The, of the, the sheep, the lost coin and the prodigal son, that when Jesus ends with the prodigal son, he leaves it open-ended yeah. to the Pharisees of, are you gonna come in and party with us or not, man? Yeah. Right? And that's kind of like that, that encouragement for me when I feel like I could be the lost son or the Pharisee that says, hey, no fair, where's mine? And I, I get to choose to go in and party too, yeah. you know. Any, any closing thoughts? And if not, it's okay. We can just end it. I th- I think that uh, it's it's just a big call for for me for me personally. I think is a big call of just this attitude of humility and realizing that at any point, like you said, Jason, at any point. I may be part of the 99, but I'm going to be the one. And how do I want to walk into church or walk into my family or walk into community? And how do I want to be received? Do I want to be received with a slam door and you're not, you don't belong here? Or do I want to be received with open arms? So having that mindset and attitude when I am a part of the 99. When I fail. When I mm-hmm. fall off the cliff, when I when not if, when I keep when. on indulging to the point that I'm literally killing myself because I'm eating too much. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think you guys have summed it up very well. But the only thing I would add, and it's not going to be very profound, it's something we've been talking about. But I just think when we consider the truly reckless nature of of God towards us, like it should demand our whole lives. It should demand our whole worship. It should demand. Because it's just that good. Yeah. I'm praying that God awakens our church. He is awakening things. I'm, I want to see us awaken to revival. I want to see us inviting people to meet Jesus. And yeah, we're going to meet in the church. <laughs> I am so sorry. I am not a real adult. Somebody sent me a thing and I clicked on it. <laughs> All right, now that we just had that profound moment ruined, thank you. No. Thank you, text message. No, it's okay. You know what? We had we we had a one moment. It's fine. We were 99. Now we're the one. It's it's funny. That's a great way to end it. All right. Hey, this is the Breakthrough Breakdown. (laughs) This is Jason. This is Shane. No, no. This is Kay. That could have happened to me at any point. This is John. Jennifer. Have a great day. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.